Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for those that have come tonight. I know that they have a heart directed to you, Lord. They wouldn't be here otherwise. They have other responsibilities, other needs. We have students here tonight. We have people who have jobs. We just understand, Lord, that it's not only about this service, and that's why it's so important. It's so, so wonderful that they are here tonight. They're just anxious to hear from you, Lord, so I pray that they would hear from you, Lord, tonight, that what I've brought and what you've presented to me would reach their hearts. It would meet their needs. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, for so, those of y'all that don't know me, my name is Ken Nix, and I'm Kenny's dad. And I was asked by somebody one time who knew I was a member here at Simple Church, and they said, so what is your title at Simple Church? And I said, I'm the father of the pastor. And that, that's it. That's it. But I am part of a team. Now, we're, we're in a series about resurrection. And I'm part of a team that's speaking about resurrection in a series. And I'd like to recognize that team because it just struck me this week that we're not just individuals getting up here and saying something that we've been directed to say. Now, I know the kind of direction I get from Kenny. He, he has this series and he tells us what scripture he would like for us to use. But as far as direction from Kenny, I get no direction from Kenny. And Dawn's shaking her head, which means that he trusts that we will, we will search scripture and we will try to find what it is that the Lord is saying to us about those scriptures. So I, I, I wanted y'all to know that, that this is not, a, not scripted in any way except by the Holy Spirit working through my son. And I'm grateful for that. Um, our team, if you haven't caught on by now, consists of the lovely Ms. Dawn Hedgepeth, uh, my lovely granddaughter, Cassidy Nix, uh, the lovely Meadow Hauk, the lovely Rachel Wallace, and then there's Kenny and myself. Uh, and young men that are here, I want to tell you that if you are ever married or you have a girlfriend, always refer to her as your lovely whatever. You'll never get in trouble for doing that. When I refer to my wife, Joyce, I'd say my lovely wife, Joyce. It works well, it works well. I've been around a few years, I've learned a thing or two. I tend to, when I speak, I tend to, if I can, give a little explanation to things. And one thing that's a little bit of a pet peeve with me, and I'm gonna use the term tonight, and that's the reason why I'm starting off the way I am. Um, does anybody know, I know there's some of you here that do, would it be a good question to ask you, do you know what's the derivation of the term hallelujah? Where does that come from? Okay. We say it, don't we? Don't we sing hallelujah? Or something good happens, hallelujah? Where does it come from? Well, I know in the Roman Empire, when you saw somebody important, you address them by saying, hail, hail Caesar, hail so-and-so, hail tribune, whatever. When you say hallelujah, what you're doing is saying hail Yahweh or hail Yah. And that's been 
transformed into hallelujah. See, y'all didn't know that, did you? Been going to church all this time, didn't know that. Maybe, maybe you knew that. Well, you know, I'm an old character, and, and I, it kind of irritates me a little bit when I hear people speak and they use terms, and we traditionally use terms, but nobody bothers to explain what that is. So I'm going to give you a term tonight, and you probably have never heard it used in, in this context. But I'm talking about a young man named Isaac. And the reason I'm talking about him tonight is he had a very special circumstance. I'm going to begin in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1 through 6. I'm going to read these. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abram. This is the same guy as Abraham, but God changed his name. Spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, so he recognized who the Lord was, what good are all of your blessings when I don't even have a son? As it was in that time, when a man passed away, things weren't kept by his family, his wife. They went to his son or sons, and that's how they were passed down. So this Abram is saying, I don't, nothing good going on for me, Lord. I don't have a son. Since you've given me no children, wait a minute. That's kind of picking at the Lord a little bit. You've given me no children. Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. That's the way it went. If you had no children to inherit, he says, you have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no, remember that, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Now, when the Lord speaks to me and tells me something like that, okay, let me write that down. He said, on this day, and that's what I would do. Now, I don't know that much about this Abram guy before all of these events, but anyhow, we go on. Then the Lord took Abram outside. The Lord took him outside. He didn't say go outside. The Lord took him outside. And when the Lord takes you outside, you better go and you better watch. And he said, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Yep. And Abram believed the Lord. You're darn shooting, he would. I would. And the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. God wrote it down in his book. This Abram guy is righteous. He's believed what I've said. Well, I think he's ever had every chance in the world to believe what the Lord has told him. The Lord took him outside, and the Lord kept telling him what, what was going to happen. All right? I've got a little, another scripture to insert here, Romans 4, 5. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. So the apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Romans, remembered all of this. He was well-versed in all of this. 
And he said, all of you Jewish people, you think you're counted righteous in God's eyes because you do good works and you say you don't sin and, and all of this stuff adds up and God is pleased with you. He said, no, faith in God is what does it. And he's referring back to Abram and his experience. He was counted. That's the first place that I'm aware of anywhere in scripture where it says somebody was counted as righteous and that was Abram. So what was Abram's result from that? He got the son that he needed. Now he did mess up. Okay, I'm here to confess that he did mess up. Y'all remember when I spoke the last time and I talked about our mistakes? A funny thing happened. I was going to use Abraham as an example of somebody that made a mistake. And at the last minute, something asked me not to include that in that message that I had. So I put Jonah in as a substitute for somebody who makes mistakes, makes a bad mistake. Didn't know why. And then Kenny comes up with his schedule and he says, I want you to speak about Isaac. Now I know why. Okay. All right. We'll go to Genesis 15. Whoops, excuse me. Yeah, Genesis 17, excuse me. 15 through 22. Now before we begin on this, I'm going to tell you about Abram's mistake. The Lord said he would give him a son. Well, his wife got this idea. She said, I'm not able to give you a son. I'm, I'm old. You're old. So I'm going to send my young servant in there, and she's going to be with you, and we'll see what happens. And so this, that's what happened. And Abram, or Abraham, had a child by this woman named Ishmael. And God was not pleased with that. God was certainly not pleased with that. Well, we'll go, in, we'll go into uh, Genesis 17, which is up there. Then God said to Abraham, he's already changed his name from Abram to Abraham because he's been considered righteous. He says, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. When God makes a big change in people's lives, or as he did back in the Old Testament, he would very often change their name. Jacob became Israel. And he says, again, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Well, didn't God say that before? That he would have an heir Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Abraham, you're the father of many nations. She's the mother. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. Now, he didn't laugh out loud to the Lord, but he kind of, you know, I, I hear you, Lord, but I'm not real sure. How could I become a father at the age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? Now, you young people don't, probably don't know the, all of this, but that's biologically just like, you know, 
yes, it's possible, but like just an infinitely small chance of that happening. But then Abraham has the nerve and he turns around and he's got this, uh, we'll say illegitimate son by this servant girl. And he says, Abraham says to God, may Ishmael, the boy that was born out of wedlock, live under your special blessing. In other words, he's saying to God, yeah, I hear what you're saying, Lord, but, but this boy, you know, he's still flesh of my flesh and, and I ask that you give him a blessing. And, but God replied, no, Sarah, your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. As for Ishmael, I will bless, bless him also, just as you have asked. I will make him extremely fruitful and multiply his descendants. He will become the father of 12 princes, and I can't see the rest. Princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant will be confirmed with Isaac, who will be born to you and Sarah about this time next year. All right, the Lord has uh, expressed some pretty important things to, to Abraham over and over. I mean, he's like, Abraham, you didn't quite get it. And, but this is what's going to happen. And despite your disbelief and all of this, it's going to happen. Now, what I didn't tell you about, and I'm going to tell you about now, is the covenant that God made with Abraham. And I didn't read the scripture because quite honestly, the scripture is a little, little hard to follow and it's a little gloomy. But back in that day and time, when, when you really wanted to make some really special agreement with someone, you would make a covenant. So when they use the term, and again, this is one of these terms that we use, and it's a churchy term, covenant. But what does that mean? When you go and you buy a sofa, you go, you use your debit card, you pay cash, you do whatever, they hand you a slip of paper, load up your sofa, and that's it. Not a big deal. You go to buy a home, it's like you may have attorneys there, you have your realtor there, you may have the banker there, you have all sorts of people who may be involved, and it's a, everybody's signing, everybody's agreeing to commit to this and that. It's, it's, it's a bigger deal, you can imagine that. Well, when God makes an agreement with you, he can make it a very big deal. And this is the covenant that I'm going to talk about. What they would do when, when two parties were going to reach an agreement on something is that they would very often slaughter animals as part of the deal. And this is what God says that he's going to do with Abraham. And he tells him what kind of animals he wants, and he tells him to cut them in portions. And what they would do is they would place pieces of the animals, and it could be multiple animals. And very often as part of the agreement, what the, these parties would do is they would, uh, they could do any number of things. But one of the things that they very often would do is that they would very deliberately walk among these 
pieces of animals, which are more likely than not going to be put on an altar and burned as a sacrifice to the Lord. So all of that is to, to say that if you're going to take expensive animals and slaughter them and place them around and do all of this ritualistic stuff for some purpose or other, must must be something very important. So the Lord is, besides just simply telling Abraham these things, he says, we're going to do this thing just like you're accustomed to making covenants. So he tells Abraham to do all this, take certain animals and do all of this. And then he tells Abraham, your part in the deal now is to go sit down and watch. And the Lord appears to Abraham, it says, as a smoking pot and as a torch, and the Lord passes between all of these animals and does all the ritualistic stuff. In other words, the Lord is saying, not only am I making this covenant with you and offering you all of these things, it's not through your efforts. I'm going to take care of everything. It's yours. It's yours. I found you to be righteous. It's yours. Don't forget that about being righteous. Abraham was found to be righteous because of his faith. Okay, we're on 20. Yep. And then when... Again, previously, it says, when God had finished speaking, he left Abraham. All right. Romans 4, 5 again. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Has Abraham learned anything at this point? Has he been through enough? Has he got it? I think he does. I think he does. Because now we're getting down to the, to the scripture that I was given. Which is Genesis chapter 22. And this, this is what happens. Isaac is born and he grows up. By this time his dad is really, really old. And his mother is really, really old. And uh, one day his dad comes to him, and this is what he says. If y'all would give me Genesis 22. Yep, there it is. Sometime later, yeah, you know, like 20 years later, God tested Abraham's fault, faith, excuse me. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. But Lord, you said that this son of mine will be the one to be the father of nations after me, but I'm supposed to go sacrifice him? The next morning, Abraham got up early. He didn't delay. He didn't, let's, well, let's wait till about noon and get up and go do this. He got up early, 
He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. This was three days away. Why three days? Why, why couldn't they just go up on a nearby mountain and, and take care of all of this? But he's obedient to the Lord. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship here and then we will come right back. So he didn't tell the whole story to the servants. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Abraham did not waver. God said, sacrifice your son. He did everything as you're supposed to do, prepared to kill the boy. At that time, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Now I can imagine what happened after that. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. Here again, the same thing. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. Then they returned to the servants and traveled back to Beersheba, where Abraham continued to live. I can see it now, the angel's up there and he's saying, okay, everybody, go away, there's nothing to see here. Okay, okay, come on through, come on through. There's no sacrifice today. There is no sacrifice, no human sacrifices here today. Why was Abraham willing to even kill his son there in front of the Lord? Because he had learned by now, even if 
he were permitted to kill his son and his son were killed because of the promises God had said over and over and over and over again, his son would be resurrected on the spot. He would kill him. God would say, you've done as I've asked. Breathe again and be, be the one that has all of these multitude of descendants. That's the only answer there can be. That obviously Abraham is a righteous man to believe those promises and be willing to sacrifice his son. All right, I want to show you a, a slide now. In Jesus' time, that was Mount Moriah, the place where Abraham took Isaac to sacrifice him. Mount Moriah is where the temple was. That's why they traveled three days. That's why it was important. You know, Abraham didn't ask the Lord. He said, why, why are we traveling? Why have I got to go three days? What, what's special about this place? Didn't ask any questions. He went to where the Lord said for him to go. All right, let's see. the, And that's Mount Moriah today. Still there. Still holy. Still a special place. And what was the name of the place? What did they call it? Yahweh Yira, the Lord will provide. And our Lord Jesus was crucified not far from there. The Lord will provide. Now, if, if y'all are Christ followers, I, I, want, I want to say this. If you're Christ followers, you've got two guarantees that if the Lord doesn't come quickly, you will have a death and you will have a resurrection. Two guarantees if you're a Christ follower. Okay, there. Now, most, most people have got that. On average, that's what you get. Now, there's a few different examples. Now, Lazarus, obviously, is going to have two resurrections. He's already had one. He's had one death, and then he has a second death after his first resurrection. And then there was Enoch, who was just gone. So he didn't have a death, apparently. And I don't know whether there's a resurrection to come in which he will participate or he's already where he needs to be. I don't, I don't know all that. But I want you to know tonight that there are two guarantees that you have. You're guaranteed of a death and you're guaranteed of a resurrection. I would like to think that y'all are as righteous as Abraham was. If you believe that, if you understand that, then you have listened to God's word just as surely as Abraham did. And that's the message that I want to give to you tonight, that there was no res resurrection needed in Isaac's case, but it was there if it was needed. I pray that um, in the continuation of, these, of this series, you will see other examples, just as the dry bones that Kenny talked about, about either things coming to life or people acting with the understanding and the faith that that resurrection is available. Well, let me pray and then we'll, we'll finish. Dear Lord, I thank you that um, this has been a time of learning. I pray that uh, I've administered to these folks your word I pray that it would be well received. I pray that we would all have the, the sense of righteousness by our belief in Jesus that comes 
through an understanding of Scripture. I pray that we all could be equal to Abraham in that sense. I pray that one day we will be able to greet Abraham and we will thank him for, for his example of righteousness. I pray that uh, all would be well in this coming week. And I pray that our next speaker would bring us a word that, that we would not forget, one that would embolden us, strengthen us, and guide us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.